his job to offer battle to bad men near and far. He conquered fear and he conquered hate. He turned dark night into day. He made his blazing saddle a torch to Hello, everyone, and welcome back to your favorite Epis podcast with your three favorite geniuses giving their not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football, other things around TCU, and other things around the country. Uh, first and foremost, as this is being recorded, we've discovered that it is a lock that this year's Super Bowl will be between the Miami Dolphins and the Panthers, so place your bets now. Also, for the first time in the history of this podcast... I don't have to ask you guys what we did wrong yesterday because for the first time we didn't do anything wrong in our game this weekend. <laughs> that being said, outside of the football world, last week we talked about all the more secondary sports at TCU and we're here with some updates. Pedro Vives lost in the finals of the ITA Texas Regional but still qualified for nationals. It's unfair that Jacob didn't tell us that last week because at the time of our recording, it was already tomorrow, so he already knew. Gorsny slash Vivas, so in doubles, beat Chan Maxted also in TCU because, as we said, the doubles finals was in all TCU doubles finals. Both teams qualify for the ITA Nationals. TCU women's soccer lost 4-2 to two to UT, which is sad. Women's volleyball lost one to three at UCF on Thursday, but then one at UCF on Friday. And TCU Equestrian won 12 to seven versus number 12 UT Martin and eight and seven versus UGA, proving definitively that TCU owns the University of Georgia and any one background sport they may have beaten us in was clearly a fluke game. And last but not least, TCU Rifle finished two out of three versus number one West Virginia and number three Nebraska because we are, we always have been, and we always will be a women's rifle school. With that, TCU basketball starts tomorrow. Boys, tell me what we are going to expect tomorrow against Texas Wesleyan. Well, Texas Wesleyan is, was not good last year. Um, they were 14 and 15, just not a good team. Uh, but I do think this game will be a good introduction for all of us fans to the new faces on the team. We should be able to see a whole lot of them. I know PV and Anderson did not play against Alabama in the secret scrimmage last week. I don't know if they're going to be back, but... Even without them, we should win by 90. Speaking of the new faces, we thought that it would be a good idea this week because we don't have a football game to go over to talk about the new faces a little bit. So I'll turn it over to Barrett to talk about some freshmen that we brought in for our basketball team. Yeah, so starting us off, uh, number one, Isaiah Manning. He is originally from Mansfield, Texas, and he's a 6'8 forward, so he's going to be playing out on the wing. Um, he was an 87 overall prospect from 24-7. Um, he did have an ankle injury eight games into his senior year, but he ended up averaging almost 15 points, six rebounds, and a block in eight games. 
Um, so pretty decent stats, but not necessarily like high volume in terms of senior year productivity. His junior year, he also averaged basically 15 points and 10 rebounds almost, um, shooting almost 50% from the field. Big thing here, he shot 39.4% from three. So he's going to be a guy who will be able to potentially stretch the floor for us. Um, listening to him mic'd up in high school, he's a natural leader. He's really confident. He's got a really smooth shot. Um, at times, he looks a little complacent on defense, um, unless the ball is like coming to him and he's playing on-ball defense. Um, I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive and aware in off-ball defense, especially on the opposite side of the court. Um, he's not particularly aggressive or like physical when going up for rebounds, even though he is a pretty large wing. Um, he's definitely like will be a stretch like three player for us. Um, he's pretty athletic, but the big thing for him is he will be a guy who will be able to stretch the floor with us and create lanes for our guards to be able to drive into the paint and dish it out to him for an open look Um projecting him to be kind of like one of our reserve forwards, one of our like backup wings come off the bench for a few minutes every game. Uh, second freshman coming in, Jace Posey, originally from Houston. He's a six, five guard slash forward. So he'll probably play that two, three role. Um, he was in the 92nd overall prospect from 24-7. Dude is an absolute freak of an athlete. He's a two-time state high jump champion. He's the number one high jumper in the U.S. Uh, the guy can jump out of his shoes and jump out of the arena. Uh, look for some big highlight plays if he's ever on the court. Um, he's, he's a guy who can go up and dunk over a seven-footer a la Vince Carter. <laughs> Um, his senior year, he had 17 points per game, eight rebounds and three assists. Uh, interesting note here. He, he also took eight charges his senior year, which to me, like taking charges shows that you have very, very strong defensive instincts and you are positioning your body in the right place at the right time. Um, so that bodes really well for the future. If he's taken that many charges in a season, one of my favorite players of all time to give a shout out to Arkansas Razorbacks, Jalen Williams plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder now. The dude took charges like no one's business. Um, to give an idea, his senior year he took 42 charges. Um, he was incredibly important to Arkansas's defensive scheme. Um, not necessarily athletic like uh, like Jace Posey is, but used his mind to visit to position himself really well. So the fact that Posey is as much of a freak athlete as he is and already taking charges, showing that he has strong positioning, I think that bodes really well for his long-term development to where he can turn into one of those lockdown defenders out on the wing for us. Um, he's, from an offensive standpoint, he's more of a slasher than a, than a shooter. Um, his, his high school coach called him a quote-unquote low-maintenance superstar. Uh, so I think the, the guy himself like will be a pretty good leader by example, I think, for the team. Um, not necessarily super outspoken. Also of note, apparently he has the best hair on the team. 
So that's kind of cool. So look for a guy with a fun haircut and who's going to jump out of the floor and jump over all the defensive players on the opposite team. And moving into kind of transfers, I'll hand it off back to Jacob so he can talk about our transfers coming in for the season. Yeah. I just want to add a couple things about uh, both of those guys. I think Manning will play more than Posey um, just to start off the year. Um, We're a little bit deeper at guard and TCU fans know shooting can be an issue at times with us. So I think with Manning's natural stroke, he'll play a little bit more. Posey, with his high jump, he jumped, I think it was five foot six inches to win state his junior year. And then his senior year, he, he jumped over seven foot. Seven foot was the record to, to, for him to be the number one high jumper in the country last year, which is just absolutely insane. And like Barrett said, we, we did kind of have a, a lack of crazy hair on the team with Eddie leaving. So I think Posey will step into that, into that role quite nicely. He, his, I think his hair adds about six or seven inches to his height. <laughs> but transfer-wise, so we talked about him a little bit last week. Uh, Ernest Uday, he'll be wearing number eight for us this year. He's a transfer sophomore from Orlando, Florida, played at Kansas last year. A 6'11 center. He was a former McDonald's All-American. In one year at Kansas, he played not not terribly much. Um, 8.3 minutes a game, averaged 2.6 points, 1.8 rebounds. So he he really was their like third center option last year. But he did have four blocks against Duke. And he had 20 steals and 18 blocks on the season just to kind of show how big of a defensive presence that he is. He is a really big motor. He's a big shot blocker. He's most likely going to be our starting center for most of the season. Next, we have Avery Anderson III. He is a senior transfer from Oklahoma State. He's originally from Justin, Texas. He'll be wearing number three this season. He's a 6'2 guard. Uh, This actually is his COVID season as well, so he does not have another year that he can stay. He has more than 100 games of experience, though, which is huge, especially in the Big 12, which is definitively the best basketball conference in the U.S. And getting better. Yeah, for real. He, He got injured, though, in February last year, so he did not finish out the season. In his four years at Oklahoma State, he averaged 9.7 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and 1.4 steals, shooting at a 41.5% clip. He shot 26.4% from three, so he's not a huge three-point shooter, not terribly accurate, but he can make one if we need him to, kind of like Damian Ball the past couple of years. But the big thing is he's an 80.4% free throw shooter. So that's huge for us. I will say with those stats, his freshman year, he didn't play as much, but he still played in like 29 games. 
he did not average very many points, rebounds, or assists that year. So they're kind of dropping his his totals a little bit if those stats don't seem terribly impressive to you. He he is going to be our Damian Ball replacement. That he he's similar build, very athletic, quick on defense, kind of hot and cold, not a shooter, but can make a shot. But he is a very good defender. I think he's going to be our starting two this year, most likely for a lot of games. And for the next couple guys, I know they're favorites of Barrett. So I'm going to turn it over to him. Yep, so starting us off, number four, Jameer Nelson Jr. He's a senior. He's coming over from um, Delaware. He's a 6'2 point guard. Uh, this is his COVID season, so we will only – we most likely we'll get one year out of him um potential for one extra year um because he got hurt in one of his previous seasons um he was a two-year starter at george washington and then two years at delaware so he started all four years averaged 14.2 points per game four and a half rebounds 2.6 assists big thing here is two steals per game and um, he's very active in on ball defense um he shot 43.5% from the field, 31.3% from three, so not incredible, but he can definitely make that three-pointer every now and then. Um, and then 73% from the line. So decent free-throw shooter. Um, he'll miss one every now and then, but it's definitely better than where our team has been in the past. So um, really looking forward to that. He's going to be our replacement for Mike Miles. He plays very similarly to Mike. Um, he's very physical. He gets to the free throw line a lot. So him being able to make three out of every four free throws will get us a lot of extra points without wasting any time off the clock. Um, on defense, he'll look to play aggressive on-ball defense to get some steals and run in transition. He is extremely athletic for his size. He, I know we said he's 6'2". He plays much, much larger than that and much more physical. I think he's like 205, so he's not like incredibly built, but he plays much heavier than he looks. Um, he will 100% be our starting point guard for the next season. Really excited to see what he can do in this offensive scheme. Um, we're adding some additional defense for the team and another athletic point guard who can run transition and run the offense. Um, moving on to the next guy, number 11, Travian Tennyson. Um, he's originally from Arlington, Texas, but he went to A&M Corpus Christi. He's a 6'3 guard. He'll probably play more of the two than the one. Um, he's, re he's really a, a sharpshooter. He's a sniper from outside. This is his COVID season. Um, so again, like last year of eligibility for him, but he's got 70 games of experience in the last two years. So really, really um, experienced, like well-traveled <laughs> player. Um, he spent one year at Central Connecticut State, one year at Ranger College, and then the last two at A&M Corpus Christi. Um, he's averaged 13.9 points per game, two rebounds, 1.3 assists, 0.7 steals. Not necessarily going to be a guy who creates for his teammates um, or like goes to get rebounds or is really active on defense. 
he, I think he's pretty serviceable in all of those, but, but like doesn't have the great stats to show that. And the big thing for him, he's a career 42% from the field, 39% basically from three. So he's going to be the guy who will stretch the floor for us um, and knock down some threes. He's going to be our Desmond Payne replacement. He's also an 86.2% free throw shooter. So if he gets the line, he's most likely knocking it down, which is so nice to see coming off of last year for the Frogs. Considering um, that's about 86.1% better than we used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, he did shoot over 40% from three last year. So his career numbers are actually slightly lower than his most recent numbers. So continuing to trend in the direction of being just a sharpshooter from outside. Um, he's he's definitely the best shooters we've had since Desmond Bain. And one kind of key aspect going back and watching like some of his games from last year, he's really stepped up when his team has played in big competitions. That has carried over into our exhibition games for TCU. Um, he will most likely be an occasional starter, kind of switching out with Anderson here and there, depending on, I guess, who Jamie wants to be starting at any given point, if he wants more defense and slashing or if he wants more offensive production from our shooting guard. I think injuries will play a part into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. The big the big thing to note about the transfers and the freshmen and the new guys coming in is I think we have a lot more depth and uh, balance across our team than we did last year. So last year we kind of relied on our starters pretty heavily. And if our starters weren't producing or if one of them got hurt, we were kind of – up Schitt's Creek without a paddle, for lack of a better term. This year, we have much more parity across our entire bench, um, especially, I would say, down low with our bigs. Um, last guy I know is a fan favorite of Jacob, so I'll pass it off to him uh, to talk about our final transfer. Yeah, I, I do like this guy a whole lot. I think he's going to play a lot bigger of a role for us than our fans think. Uh, his name is Issa Mostafa. Uh, he's going to wear number 44 for us. He's a senior from Cairo, Egypt. And if you guys remember back a couple years, Egypt is has, has been represented quite well on the TCU basketball team in the past 10 years or so. We've had a couple guys from Egypt. Uh, he's a 6'9 forward. This is not his COVID season, so I, I believe he can take one more if he wants it. He has 84 games of experience over four years at Coastal Carolina, and he averaged 12.6 points, 9.4 rebounds, one assist, and basically one block a game. And interesting, interestingly enough, that's I think it might be the most rebounds that any player on our team has averaged for a career. So he's kind of knocked as not being a fantastic athlete, which is completely fair. He's not that great of an athlete, but he gets rebounds and he produces. He's a career 53% shooter, not a good free throw shooter, 62% from the line, but I think that's better than our bigs were last year. So... He, he's if you a, hadn't hyped up the 80% guys before this, I'd be celebrating at 
We've been <laughs> terrible at free throws. I, that's great. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, he, he's he's just he's just a fundamental player. If you like watching good basketball, you will really like watching Mustafa play. Because I, I watched his highlights when we signed him, and I texted Barrett. I said, this guy is going to be really fun to watch if you like watching just good basketball. It's not flashy, but his post moves are very defined. He gets the ball where it needs to go. He positions himself well on defense, which makes up for his lack of athleticism. And I think he's going to be a very good mentor for Uday. And I think Cork will as well. Uday's our future at the center position. Mustafa is very steady and consistent. Um, and like I said earlier, I think he's going to get a lot more run than people think, especially down the stretch, because we're going to know exactly what we're going to get from him. And it is going to be that 8 to 12 points, 8 rebounds a game. He's not going to mess up very much, but he's not going to do anything spectacular. And that's kind of what we need from our bigs. To, to go off of the um, the mentorship for Uday, I, I think Uday is definitely the more raw talent. He has more physical talent than pretty much any of our bigs on the team. Um, fantastic defensively, but he needs to learn how to use post moves and, and use his brain and position himself a little better at times. And to Jacob's point, that's where Mustafa really shines. Um, think similar like style of play obviously won't step out and make a three right now but similar style of play as um drew timmy at gonzaga really good post moves and really good rebounder um to give you like a really notable basketball player as like i would say the prime example or or comp for mustafa i would say zach randolph he is a very unathletic undersized big who is very strong really good at post moves, really good at positioning, knows how to put himself in the position to get a board and get an easy bucket. Yeah, I think that's that's a perfect uh, comparison. But uh, with all of that about TCU's new guys, they do have a game. It's tomorrow night, I believe, at 7-ish. Uh, it's at midnight here in London. So I think it's seven uh, in Texas, but with that, I'm going to turn it over to Connor to talk about what's happening this upcoming week at TCU. All right. So last week we talked about some secondary sports about T at TCU and we got some really good feedback from y'all. So we wanted to take a second and just highlight a couple of the other things going on this week. Soccer. We have a Big 12 tournament game versus UCF uh, tomorrow as of this recording, but should be today when you're listening. It's on Monday. We have our women's beach volleyball are competing in the AVCA Pairs National Championship Thursday to Sunday. Shout out to our women's beach volleyball. I uh, My neighbor from back home in Florida was a beach volleyball player. She didn't end up going to TCU. She ended up winning a national championship at USC. But she has a national championship ring, and TCU was her next choice. Humble she brag. was she well, hey, <laughs> but um, but seriously, she's the fact that we have that kind of talent looking at our team. She was from Florida. She went to Florida State for a little bit. She went to USC for a little bit. You look at like these beach schools; 
Then we have little old TCU in Fort Worth is putting up a fight in these national championship games. There's something to be said about that. Our non-beach volleyball is playing Friday and Saturday versus Iowa State. Our absolute best sport of all, Rifle, is playing Saturday and Sunday versus Alaska Fairbanks. Men's tennis plays Thursday in the ITA Fall Championships. And then on Thursday, your very own Connor Mortel of the Three Wise Men podcast is getting arrested for getting in a fight at Lubbock, Texas. We have football on Thursday. I am going to kick some Red Raiders teeth in. Just as I promised to get rid of Will Howard in Texas Tech's game against K-State, I promised to get rid of all of Texas Tech in TCU's game against Texas Tech. I will be using their tortillas against them. I pray to God I'm not the only TCU fans in the stands. However, boys, what should we expect? What should we be looking at this week against Texas Tech? So what we're going to be looking at this week against Texas Tech is their quarterback. I think I'm pretty sure they're still on their third string quarterback. who's a freshman named Jake Strong, 54% completion percentage for 409 yards, two touchdowns and six interceptions. He does have 61 yards rushing, so he is somewhat of a dual threat. Our He's defense not very good though. <laughs> no, not at all. Our defense should we need to guard the run well this week. Uh speaking of running, at running back they have a guy named Taj Brooks who is very good. He has 891 yards on the year with six touchdowns. He's not a big receiving threat, though, and with this quarterback, he probably won't be. Although, younger quarterbacks do rely on outlet passes, so maybe. Everyone here at Tech is – Taj Brooks is the guy. Like, that's every every person's big name you hear around campus here. As he should be, quite frankly. Well, yeah. He's, yeah. At wide receiver, they have – Two guys. One, first is named Miles Price, 33 catches for 331 yards with four touchdowns. The other is Jarend Bradley, who's 30 catches for 319 yards and four touchdowns. On the defensive side of the ball, you have Jalen Hutchings, who is a defensive lineman. He has 32 tackles, 16 solo tackles. And three sacks. So he's going to be the guy that we need to key on, or at least our offensive line needs to key in on for the game. At linebacker, they have a guy named Ben Roberts, who has 66 tackles on the year. He's their leading tackler. 34 solo tackles with two forced fumbles and an interception. He's kind of their do-it-all guy. He gets picks. He forces fumbles. He gets tackles. He's, he's just a good football player. At defensive back, they kind of got two guys we need to watch out for. The first is Malik Dunlap. He has 20 total tackles, 17 solo, but the big thing is he has three interceptions to go along with one pass defense. Last guy is Dadrian Taylor Dimerson. He has 49 total tackles. That's, I think, in their top three on the team. 37 solo tackles, one interception, and four passes defended. So they have two good cornerbacks on the outside. Hopefully, we'll just give the ball to Imani Bailey, and our offensive line will turn into what they were like two weeks ago. And Kendall Bryles won't 
throw the ball 90 times this game when you have a running back averaging 10 yards per carry. So with that, I'll turn it over to Barrett to see how we're going to beat them. Yep. So getting into schemes and stuff, um, head coach is Joey McGuire. He's been there for a couple years as a head coach. Previously, he was over at Baylor. Um, so boo, Joey McGuire. You most uh, likely know Joey McGuire best for him showing up at Tech and saying everything runs through Lubbock. Yeah. And then losing like the next four <laughs> games. And then going to prove that nothing runs through Lubbock. And then taking the head coach job at Texas Tech. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but moving on to the defensive side, Tim DeRoyter, I think is how you pronounce his last name. It's it's Dutch, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but he he's their defensive coordinator. Um, he runs a three-man front. Usually it'll be like a hybrid 3-4 or a 3-3-5. Three, three, so very similar to a lot of defenses that we see in the Big 12 with all these high-powered passing offenses um, predicated on stopping the pass. The The interesting thing here, um, they don't have the third high safety like Iowa State does, so it'll be like a nickelbacker similar to what TCU runs um, as that fifth kind of defensive back. The, the interesting thing here is that um, – their entire defense basically is built and predicated on funneling everything. And I mean everything to their middle linebacker. So that's why you see their linebacker, um, Ben Roberts, has such amazing stats. Uh, everything from like run game, passing game, everything is funneled to their middle linebackers. And so those guys are asked to do every piece of the defense. Um, whether that's blitzing, pass coverage, obviously they have to be good at tackling because the run scheme gets funneled to them. Um, they run a lot of zone coverage and not a lot of man coverage, not a lot of bump and run. So potentially um, Savion could have a good game here. JPR also with his route running, being able to sit in the spot and, um, I would look for him to have a pretty decent game as well. Um, one other kind of piece to add on here, they do have like a fairly large range of blitzes that are specifically designed from like their defensive scheme and are kind of like structurally unique in that aspect. Um their defensive coordinator does a really good job of hiding and their blitzing schemes and hiding where the pressure is going to come from. So I think our offensive line could have a bit of trouble if they decide to send a lot of blitzes this game. Um, obviously with a three-man front, though, the way we're going to beat this team is we're going to run it right down their throats. Their, their linebackers are good, obviously. He's got great stats, but... With a three-man front, you really have to just use that to your advantage and pummel them with the run. And luckily for us, we have a phenomenal running back, Kenamani Bailey. Moving over to the um, offensive side, Zach Kitley is their offensive coordinator. He was previously over at Western Kentucky when Bailey Zappi was going off throwing for a bajillion yards a game. Um, the guy runs an air raid offense typically. However, with 
Texas Tech's quarter, starting quarterback and backup quarterback being hurt, he's had to t- kind of transition to a more run-focused offense with Taj Brooks. And so it's it's a kind of an interesting dynamic to where he typically wants to have like a very QB-focused offense and run and gun, for lack of a better word, with a bunch of short passes, kind of spread the defense out, and create a bunch of space. But because he doesn't have a great quarterback right now, he's relying very heavily on Taj Brooks to get that productivity in the middle of the field. So where TCU is going to beat Texas Tech, we have to stop the run. It sounds counterintuitive with Kitley being their offensive coordinator um, who really likes to pass the ball a lot. But since they don't have a quarterback right now or like one that's really worth anything, I would say, if we can force Kitley into like his normal system, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, I think we can actually do a pretty good job of stopping them. You were talking about how they have blitzes that are different than most other teams. If I remember right, Kansas State blitzed a whole lot and our offensive line didn't handle it well. So if Kendall Bryles does decide to throw the ball a ton, I think you'll be seeing that meme from Remember the Titans where the defensive coordinator is saying, we blitz all night. I, I really think this is our game to lose. It is. I've been here at Texas Tech. I've been watching their games. I don't have the football IQ of you, Jacob, and you, Barrett. But I just, I've seen in my heart what this Tech t- team can do. I watched them in a nail-biter first half against Houston, where every time Houston got the ball, they made their defense look like Swiss cheese. I watched them in their best game where they took Oregon to the wire and tech, even with their starting quarterback has a certain will to lose where they will just throw the ball away and they will find a way to lose the week. We got our teeth kicked in by Kansas state. They got their teeth kicked in by BYU. They are not a good team with as bad as we are. We should still beat them. The only reason we wouldn't is that we have our own will to lose It's really going to be two teams going out there, trying their hardest to lose and seeing which one, which one is best at that. If we show up and literally just do what we should, Imani Bailey should have the game of his life. And even with as bad as we are, we could blow this team out. Unfortunately, like you guys have hinted at it a couple of times, I don't believe we will play like we, we can. And I think we can watch a very serious nail biter between two bad teams. I think one one thing to note on the offensive side, um, I think Bryles obviously runs a lot of like short screens and short passes to get our playmakers into space. That actually could work out pretty well in our favor for this game because a team that is typical typically running zone coverage will back off to start off the play a lot of times, and that gives you the space to get the ball to your playmaker and have them now have the ability to turn up field and make a play for you. And so if, if we are passing the ball a lot, this game, I would expect it to be a lot of like jailbreak screens, bubble screens, like short, easy passes for Josh Hoover to be able to get it to a guy and let them go make a play. Also, we're forgetting one very important thing. And that is that weird things happen in Lubbock at night. Yeah. 
Luckily, I'll be the weird things hitting Lubbock players with their own tortillas. <laughs> okay, we can get on to uh, to our picks for the week. Where we currently stand uh, is clearly rigged because I am somehow in last place, which makes no sense. Um, I'm at 104, Jacob is at 112, and Barrett won our mystery game last week and was the only one of us to win it. Team two took it, so Barrett is at 119. The mystery game was in Canada. The Blue Bombers beat the Calgary 36-13. to And I got to watch a little bit of it, and then I remembered it was in Canada, and I figured I'd check the scores in the morning. Wait, is this um, the Canadian Football League? I'm pretty sure. I have, a, I have a friend who plays for Calgary on the defensive line. All right, well, you picked against him and thank him for his bad job because he gave up 36 <laughs> points and gave you the victory. <laughs> um, that all being said, we've got a brand new week ahead of us. First game of the week's on Thursday. We just talked about it. Jacob, who's winning? TCU at Texas Tech. I've picked against TCU the past couple weeks. This week, I'm not going to. I think TCU pulls out a close game in Lubbock. Barrett? Yeah, I think the fact that Zach Kitley does not have a serviceable quarterback right now like runs into TCU's favor. I think we we take this one. I think we take it pretty handedly. I'm never going to pick against TCU, but even if I were willing to, I wouldn't this week. I think TCU has this. We're picked to lose for what it's worth, but it's by like two or two and a half points. It's that three. Okay. So it's that standard home field advantage, three points, but it's more or less neck and neck. TCU takes this. Jacob, who's winning Kansas State at Texas? I think this is going to be a very interesting game. Very interesting game because the quarterback play for both of these teams is weird, to say the least. Kansas State because they run a two-quarterback system and Texas because they have a running back at quarterback. Well, really like a linebacker at quarterback. Uh, Texas is favored by five and a half. I'm going to take Texas. I remember last year when Kansas State was having a fantastic season, they played Texas at home and got absolutely whacked. So I think Texas might just have Kansas State's number. I will be cheering for Kansas State, but I'm picking Texas. All right, Barrett. Uh, we've seen Will Howard have two great games in a row now. Um, again, he's very hit or miss. I, I'm i going to bet on that trend continuing, though. And I think K-State comes into Austin and pulls out the upset. I was told recently that my opinion on Texas can't be taken seriously because I'm the biggest Texas hater in the world, and it was one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. However, whether my opinion can be taken seriously or not, I believe Texas gets three losses this season, and I think this need, needs to hopefully be one of them. I also have 20 bucks on Texas losing to TCU and or Kansas State, so it would help me out a lot there here. I think Jacob's right that Texas has had Kansas State's number the last few years. But I also think Jacob's right that this is a weird game. And I don't think the last few years matter with this because I think this is just a weird game. I think Kansas State takes it, but I think it's going to be a really close game. 
Bedlam, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Jacob. Ollie Gordon is the truth. He should win Heisman this year. If if he continues his game or even just gets 100-yard games instead of two to 300-yard games for the rest of the year, in my opinion, he should be the Heisman. I don't think he will be because he's not a quarterback. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Barrett. OU lost this week. We're going to continue that trend. Oklahoma State, you're going to run right over the Sooners. We here at Three Wise Men are an affiliate of Southwest Saturdays, which is run by Oklahoma State alums. And I have to say, they're delightful guys. I talk to one of the guys with it almost every day. And I gave them a hard time early in the season when Oklahoma State sucked. But Oklahoma State figured it out, and they're on the rise at the exact same time Oklahoma's on the fall. I think we're going unanimous on this one. Oklahoma State pulls it out. And it's at Oklahoma State. It's it's everything everyone wants. Oklahoma State wins it. Houston at Baylor. Jacob. This is going to be an awful game. I'm going to pick Houston because I'm not picking Baylor, but I don't think Houston's going to win this game. I don't even think we could consider this game a mid-off at this point. <laughs> Both of these teams are very ungood. <laughs> um, that being said, we'll give it to the newbies. Houston has won a couple of weird picks for me in the past few weeks. I'm going to pick them again. I think every TCU and Texas Tech fan owes every Houston and Baylor player a handwritten thank you note to make sure we don't have the worst bad game of the week. (laughs) Um, But again, I'm going with you guys. I'm going with Houston. UCF at Cincinnati. Jacob. I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati and their defense just because John Reese Plumley cost me a bunch of money last week, and I hate him. <laughs> Barrett. Uh, I, I feel for Jacob, because Plumlee was terrible last weekend. He was so bad. He was, he was awful. However, I think he financially recovers in this game, and I think UCF wins this one. So the only UCF game I've ever been to was UCF versus Cincinnati last year, and it was actually a phenomenal game. Um, UCF really hates Cincinnati. Like this, I think if you ask most UCF fans, this is their number – USF is their number one rival, but that game doesn't get played anymore, and they really hate Cincinnati. I think UCF shows up with their claws out and plays the best game they have of the season – that may mean barely beating a bad team because the best team game they have of the season is not necessarily that good. But I think UCF wins this one. Kansas at Iowa State. Jacob. I think Iowa State takes this upset. Props to Kansas for getting back into the top 25. Great win over OU. The entire country was cheering for you. But I think Iowa State's defense is going to be too much. Eric. Uh, I'm actually with Jacob on this one. I, again, I lost all the ones where I was predicating my Kansas pick on Jalen Daniels being back. 
now that I'm predicating my pick on Jason Bean not or running the show, uh, I don't think Bean is as good of a passer. And I think Iowa State's defensive scheme with those three high safeties is exactly built to take advantage of his failures. Um, so I think that, especially with an RPO scheme that Kansas runs, Iowa State's going to take this one. I um I originally thought Kansas when I saw this game, but I saw that Iowa State has picked a win by one point, and I've learned this season that I don't know ball, and Vegas has beaten me left and right. I think Vegas is right this time, too, because the more I thought about it, the more I remembered it's, it's at 6 p.m. in Ames. I think Kansas is the better team, but nighttime in Ames is terrifying and cold. And I think Iowa State wins solely because Ames is a very weird place and it's very cold. Cornbread, corn-fed. What'd you say? Cornbread, corn-fed. Yeah, but to be fair, so is Kansas. But I, that justifies nothing. I, Ames is weird. Um, yeah, but Kansas doesn't exist. No, there it is. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Ava, if you're watching, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, BYU at West Virginia. I'm going to take West Virginia. BYU is stinky. West Virginia is not that good, in my opinion. But them being at home and playing a really bad team will propel them to the win. Barrett. I feel torn on this game. Um, We've been saying that BYU is a stinky team, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. However, they only have three losses on the year. (laughs) Um, One of them being to us as another stinky team. I I think BYU, for whatever reason, pulls this one out. I I think we get a Neil Brown special and – West Virginia throws out a turd. <laughs> I think Barrett's completely wrong. West Virginia's winning this game. I'm not even justifying it. I'm just right. Um, a true, I don't know if it's a true mid-off. One of these teams is getting good, but one is declined. Notre Dame at Clemson. Jacob. Oh, Notre Dame's going to win by so many yeah. points. Yeah. Barrett. I, I'm putting I, Barrett in an uncomfortable position. <laughs> Yeah, I hate Clemson with a burning passion, but I hate Notre Dame even more, and I always pick against Notre Dame, except when they're playing USC, apparently, which worked out for me. So um, I'm going to pick Clemson, even though I think they're trash. So my favorite thing about Notre Dame is that I am Irish and Catholic, but my second favorite thing about Notre Dame is their schedule seems specifically catered to piss Barrett off. And it's always like I want to pick against Notre Dame, but he hates the other team almost as much. And I love that with all my heart. <laughs> um, that's why they're always in our lineup. However, I'm sticking with Notre Dame. Um, another one where one team's in decline and one, although they both weren't great this weekend, Washington at USC, Jacob. Washington, USC yeah. is so bad. They are not good at all. Their defense might be the worst in the Power Five. Barrett. Yeah, Washington's a fantastic team. They have a fantastic quarterback. Um, Their offense is running on all cylinders against a USC defense that 
looks like it's made of paper and trash cans. So <laughs> I am picking Washington all the way. Let's get the Huskies. I don't know that they're running on all cylinders right now. They didn't look amazing against Stanford, but I think you just have to look mediocre to give USC a run for their money. So Washington it is. Um, college game day this week, which I think could be a much better game. LSU at Bama. Jacob. This will be a much better game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Bama because the past couple times when I haven't, it hasn't turned out well for me. So I'm going to roll with Bama. I don't think they're that good, but I also don't think LSU is that good. I think they're marginally better than LSU. Yeah, Barrett. Uh, They're playing at Bama, right? Yes, at Bama. Yeah, I think LSU goes into Bryant-Denny Stadium and gets more than they bargained for. I think that um, you guys know my take on – Jaden Daniels, I don't necessarily think he's all that great. I know he's put up stupidly good numbers this year, but hey. Um, I think that Alabama with Kool-Aid McHistory, who, by the way, has one of the coolest names of all time. Um, I bet I think he locks down Malik Neighbors in this game and takes away a huge portion of LSU's offense and a huge kind of um, dump off, like, uh, saving throw for Jaden Daniels, and it shuts down the LSU offense. And I think Bama walks away with this one. Every time we've picked a game at Bama, I have given a whole speech about how Bama loses at home in clusters, and this year will be just as true. And I've been wrong on every single pick. My little cousin went to Bama, and I've picked against his team too many times. I'll give it to him. Roll Tide. I've been wrong too much. I don't know ball when it comes to Bama. I'm going with Bama this time. But you know, now that we all picked Bama. LSU's going to come out and win by 50. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, last one of this round. Arkansas at Florida. Jacob. You know... (laughs) For those of you audio listeners, Barrett just died. <laughs> I thought Florida had a chance this past week against Georgia. Uh, and I think Connor did too. We were wrong. Just to put it <laughs> put it mildly. Florida's terrible. After watching their defense for a half, because I just didn't even bother watching the second half, their defense looked awful. I think this is one of those games that Arkansas has no business winning, but they roll in there and they take it. Barrett. A very sad woo pig. Um, (laughs) No, I... I'm actually very, very ecstatic about this game because it'll be the first game that Arkansas is playing without Danny Enos' offensive coordinator, who has been absolutely terrible as an offensive coordinator. Absolutely terrible. Um, So I think with the interim OC taking over the reins, I think Arkansas goes into um, – the swamp and comes out with a dub against a also very terrible Florida team. So 
Uh, my take on Georgia all season has not been that they're bad. It's been that they were not the team they were last year and they're overrated. I've been saying that their spreads have been massive and they can't cover those massive spreads because it's unreasonable. Um, those spreads have shrunk since Brock Bowers got taken out. However, this this week it turned out not to matter. These They could have easily covered a massive spread, even without Brock Bowers. I don't think Georgia suddenly got three times better than they were the week before. I think Florida really is that bad. Um, and I, I don't see Florida doing anything against Arkansas. The only reason I'm not betting on this game is that I, as a rule, don't bet on Arkansas because it always ends up hurting Barrett. Um, I appreciate it. Next round, we've got VMI at ETSU. Jacob. Oh, you got to support the troops. Go VMI. Barrett. Uh, I'm assuming ETSU is like Eastern, Eastern Tennessee, Tennessee State Tennessee. University. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, those directions, man, directions <laughs> are hard. They will get you. And especially having a state in there, I'm going to go with ETSU in this one. So. I picked, I wrote down my picks on the sheet just before that we started. I picked ETSU because I've got a buddy who goes there. And I'm remembering in this conversation that my buddy goes to MTSU. But I'm already <laughs> committed to where I chose. We're going with ETSU for being near where my friend goes to school. <laughs> All right, Barrett, I'm glad you mentioned directional schools. We've got a semi-directional school. We have... Penn West Cal at Gannon. Jacob. Oh, man. This is a tough one. Because Gannon, you know, is a perennial powerhouse. But then Penn West Cal, they're between two states. So... <laughs> On polar opposite ends of the country. <laughs> yeah, they, they're they, in they Western just... Pennsylvania, California. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to choose uh, Penn West Cal just because of their name. Oh. oh, wait. Does that just put them in the middle of Kansas? I have no idea where Penn West Cal is. <laughs> it may be slightly less real than Kansas. <laughs> um, I, I got a buddy named Gannon. So I'm assuming they named this university after him. So I'm going to vote with them. Awesome. I really was going to go differently if you guys went the same way, but I really wanted to pick Penn West Cal. So I'm really <laughs> glad Barrett picked again. And Penn West Cal is running this one. All right. We have Will Peterson at College of New Jersey. <laughs> this is this is David versus Goliath here. One man, Will Peterson, is taking on every college in New Jersey. Uh, I'm, I'm giving it to Will. Will Peterson's going to do it. I believe it's Will Peterson, to be fair. Doesn't matter. Even better. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to ride with the single man as well. Um, he, he needs a win every now and then and anything to put a dub up against the state of New Jersey. So yeah, Will Peterson. When I picked this game for our game, 
I thought there's no way one man can beat an entire college. But then I remembered that college is in New Jersey. Will is going to dominate those weak New Jerseyans. Obviously, Will runs away with this. Last I think there's, that, a, there's a quote about this, I think, uh, by Loki. I think he said, we have an army. And then Iron Man said, yeah, but we have Will Peterson. <laughs> No one can say it better than that. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, we have the mystery game. XL picked team one for me. Jacob, who are you taking? Barrett, who are you taking? Because I'm picking you. <laughs> okay, Barrett. Uh, I picked team two last time and they won. So let's ride with them again. All right. I'll go with Jacob, team two. Jacob, are you riding with Barrett? Yep, All I'm riding right. with Barrett. I'd like to say that the reason Jacob is riding with Barrett is that he said Barrett has not lost a mystery game this season, despite the fact that prior to this week, Barrett lost the most recent mystery game. <laughs> He's going to lose this one. I am a team one truther. Um, with that, I've got a couple bets for this week. If you've learned anything from this episode, it's that you'll pick the opposite of what I choose here. <laughs> uh, Troy minus six at South Alabama. Uh, or versus South Alabama. South Alabama beat Oklahoma State, but that was back before they figured out how to play football. I think Troy kicked their teeth in. Notre Dame, minus three at Clemson. Clemson sucks. I think Notre Dame wins by a lot more than three points at Clemson. Um, The battle of the Gamecocks, Jacksonville State at South Carolina. Jacksonville State is not going to beat South Carolina, but they are not going to lose by more than 15 and a half. They're going to cover... And Oklahoma State money line versus Oklahoma. They are going to walk into Bedlam and walk out and hand Oklahoma their last ever L in the most lopsided college rivalry there's ever been. Um, with that, thank you all so much. If you want to see better bets with more wise input, follow TCU's Three Wise Men on Twitter where you'll see Jacob's bets that hit far more often than Connor's bets. Judging from Jacob's faith, they hit maybe slightly more often than Connor's bet. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Three Wise Men. And make sure to come back next week to listen to your three favorite geniuses give their not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football and other things around the country. Go Frogs.